0: What's up, junkies? It's me, Taylor C., and this is the Firing Line Podcast. And on today's show, I've got Ryan W., uh, and we're this is a big book episode, so we're going to be going over more about alcoholism on page 30 in the fourth edition of the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, Ryan, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: Thanks for having me. Uh, my name's Ryan W., and my home group is uh, the 164 Group, and we meet on Wednesdays and Sundays from 7 to 8. Awesome,
0: uh, I'm so thankful that you're here today and been willing to be on this uh, episode. And um, I, I've always kind of been inspired by your sobriety and the way that you talk about the big book and the way that you explain things. So I'm, I'm real excited just to dive right into it, man. So uh, here we are on page 30 of the fourth edition of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, as, uh, as we've indicated in other episodes like this, uh, the intent of this episode is to kind of show what it's like to have a sponsor who's taking you through the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and Ryan's going to take us through it as if uh, I were his sponsee today. So we'll let you go with it from here. Start us off. Okay, um,
1: so uh, I'm going to go first paragraph. So most of us have been unwilling to admit that we were real alcoholics, or real addicts. No one likes to think that he is bodily and mentally different from his fellows. Therefore, it is it is not surprising that our using careers have been characterized by countless vain attempts to prove that we could use like other people the idea that somehow some someday we will control and enjoy his using is the great obsession of every abnormal user the persistence of this illusion is astonishing many pursue it into the gates of insanity or death so what would you consider to be a real addict?
0: Hmm. Uh, for a, am I playing yep. playing dumb how, here? How, how, how <laughs> okay, if I was just coming in, I, I would say, "Well, I just I use a lot." Mm-hmm. I, I I keep getting in trouble. I don't want to get in trouble anymore. Right. <laughs> it's like uh,
1: I remember when I was able to use successfully. Like I always thought, real addicts were you know, the needle junkie under the bridge, or the guy that was like a convicted felon, or, you know, like you could add to the list more and more and more different types of scenarios. But in my experiences, I went through all of them. I became all of them. And that doesn't make me a real addict. You know what I mean? So um, I always ask that question because it's funny what people will say, what their idea, perception of what a real addict looks like. in the next sentence, no one likes to think he is bodily and mentally different from his fellows. And so, like, up until this point, what, do you, what has the book told you about the real
0: addict? Uh, it told me that it's somebody who uses just because they like the way that it feels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I keep getting in situations that I wouldn't normally be in uh, if I weren't using, but I find myself using over and over and over again and not really knowing why. Um, it's told me that I have an allergic reaction mm-hmm. to drugs and alcohol when I put it in my body I just can't stop and it's told me that uh, I um I have a mental obsession with with using like I can't stop thinking about it right when I quit like for me <clears throat> when I when the man that took me through the book sat
1: down across from me he was armed with the facts about this disease this illness um, he explained to me that I had an allergy and I have a mental obsession and I have a physical craving. And I lack control. And once I start I can't stop. And then when when the dope hits the table I have no choice whether I'm gonna do it or not. And so I'm I'm basically using against my will. And it says that I can't bring into to my consciousness the the suffering and humiliation of even a week or a month ago. I can't even do that for like twenty four hours like the previous day. Like I just went to jail caught for a felony, and here I am, I get I get bonded out, and I'm like, when I'm in jail, I'm like, I'll never do this again, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, you know, God just, you know, I'll never do it again. then I get out, and I'm running straight to the dope man, you know, like, that's the insanity of it. Mm. You know, like, this chapter, more about alcoholism, is like more about the mental obsession, you know what I mean? Like, it just, is. when I read it, it's a gut punch, mm. you know, it just just hammers me with the truth because it describes me to a T and then, you know like how are you different from your fellows now that you look back on your experience now when, when you were using
0: um, I see other people they get high one time on the weekend mm. and then they don't do it again till the next weekend right. uh, that's not me I want to I get high and I want to get go, higher go, go, yeah. <laughs> you know
1: you know like I, I remember sitting down with at a table with friends and we got a bunch of coke on the table and at some point they're all good and i'm over here like i must have a high tolerance you know what i mean (laughs) like that's the way it was with everything like drinking any any drug i was just like i must just have a high tolerance you Mm -hmm. know or i used when i would drink i would be like i'm just a power drinker Mm -hmm. you know i'll go for (laughs) days you know Everybody else will just be knotted out or just wired tight, and and I'm over here like, let's do some more. We're going to save this for tomorrow, but I'm like, tomorrow? Get out of here. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Therefore, it is not surprising that our using crews have been characterized by countless vain attempts to prove we could use like other people. The idea that somehow someday he will control and enjoy his using is a great obsession of every abnormal user so like what are the count the different ways you try to control and enjoy your using mm.
0: um well for me i would try and control like the times that i would mm-hmm. use right like i tell myself well if i only use at night mm-hmm. or only use on the weekends then i'm good uh or if i only used with certain people like as long as I don't have right. that crowd, right. <laughs> I'll be able to control it and enjoy it. Because they're gonna introduce me to stuff mm. that I know that I don't want to do. You know, right. but eventually I end up doing it with them, anyways. I right. would uh, try to control like the amounts that I would I would use. Like if I and like like mix it up. You mm-hmm. know, like if I just drink a little bit more today and right. take a couple less Xanaxes, right. be okay. <laughs> you know, so that's that's a couple ways that I would try to control it. And enjoy it and to prove that I could drink like other people or use like other people just by doing less of this and more of that. And I felt like less of a drug addict when I did that because I wasn't right. using such high quantities of one thing.
1: So do you think, so like in my, I have the uh, the idea for me is is a lie, delusion, it's self-deception and I can look back over A couple decades of of using, and I can see where I I was able to control and enjoy it. And then I cross that line at some point, say 10 years in, and I'm not able to control and enjoy it. So then it becomes a matter of almost like I got to get high to get out of bed. I got to get high to get to go to work. And then when I get to work, I got to get high at break. You know, like it doesn't, I'm not enjoying it. And then I'll lose all control at some point, too. And so the idea that I can control and enjoy it is, com- is just insanity. You know what I mean? Like, here's my experience over a course of 10 years of trying to control and enjoy it, and I never regain that, that, that magic that happened in my first 10 years of drinking and using. And that's what's crazy about this whole deal is that I remember the times where it worked you know what I mean like I remember when it was fun and I could go out and it did something to me it was magic you know I could I was always like withdrawn shy introverted and then when I when I did the dope man I become you know funny and I was able to be around people I could socialize I could I was a better worker you know I could go to the bars or the club or whatever and 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 interact with people I could have my relationships seem better it's just like you could add to it all the way and then at some point it turns its head on me and it just kicks my ass and the next thing I know at the end of a t- 20 years I'm in a basement by myself hmm. with a needle in my neck hmm. you know like I never sw- I ne- I swore to myself I would never be that guy hmm. and here I am because I believe that the idea that I I was able to control and enjoy it and I can't remember the day before what I just went through doesn't matter if I'm eating out of trash cans or not, homeless in the streets. You know, it doesn't matter. I'm gonna keep going. It's gonna get better. You know. And that was like the the persistence of the illusion is astonishing. We pers- we pursue it to the gates of insanity or death. Like, how did how was your experience on the on that that line right there?
0: Oh, man, I I ended up in mental hospitals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> ended yeah. up. Uh, it, I ended up in institutions mm-hmm. like uh, I would keep and I still wanted to do it mm-hmm. like I still had the desire within like it didn't matter if I was hospitalized all that mattered is when I get out am I going to be able to get some more mm-hmm. like, and that was the only thought that I had at the time you know was can I get more when I get out of here <laughs> and, and I will chase that no matter how many times I've been institutionalized until I die, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, just because, and I don't, I can't even explain why, just because it's the only way I know how to be. It's like it becomes
1: like a working part of us. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, it, you go from having, you know, you have the job, the house, the relationships, your family, um, you're, you're a productive member of society, even as, even if you're able to control it you know what I mean like you you're, a, you're able to function at a level that is is bearable and then you cross that line and it's like another line you cross and then the next thing you know I was like <clears throat> I lost it all in a short period of time you know my last relapse was a two-year spree and it was, it was just like bam the next thing I know I'm homeless like nobody I was I knew I was gonna die like I had I, at some point at, right before I finally I was, I was sleeping on the streets, eating out of dumpsters, going through people's cars, stealing from Walmart to get the gift cards. Go, you know, like the over and the repeated cycles you do on a daily basis. It was like the I was the lie was spinning out of control in my head. You know what I mean? And it was going to kill me. That's it was like my ego wants me dead at this point. It wants what it wants, and it wants it right now. You know and um, <laughs> God, man, the the, the gates—that's a powerful statement. Gates of insanity or death.
0: And I tell myself it's not that bad.
1: Yeah, it's not bad. Yeah, it'll be okay. Just let me get some more. And like, like I'm I'm doing, you know, doing some meth, and I've been up for two weeks. Oh, this time it'll be it'll be great. I'll, I'll get what I need on this shot right here. You know what I mean? And but I've been up for two weeks, and it's not working you know I'm just because I've been up for two weeks doesn't mean I'm getting ease and comfort from it you know like it's all oh, torture you know that's that's the only way I can describe them when I stays, man and you know like the one of my favorite lines in the book it was like uh dope became the great persuader it beat me into a state of reasonableness I had to go through all that to be get to a point of re, a re just a glimmer of reasonableness you know um the next one, uh we learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were addicts. This is the first step in recovery. The illusion that we're like other people or Presley may be smashed, or maybe has to be smashed. So what concede is a pretty powerful word, I believe. Like he, he he's very he doesn't use surrender he doesn't use accept, you know, like why does he use concede? What does that mean to you? Have to give in. So, like, the definition I have in my book says that admit that something is true or valid after first denying or resisting it. Hmm. And I like resisting it. I resisted it for decades that I was not like these other people because I, you know, my first attempt in the rooms was, I I knew I was a junkie. Yeah, that, No, that's no question in that, but I'm manageable. Now that that's a different, that was a different, a little different. I always thought I had some control in uh, what I was, what was going on in my life at that moment, until I didn't. You know what I mean? Like I, I had to finally quit resisting it that I was completely powerless and completely unmanageable. So you thought you could
0: just choose when you were gonna do it?
1: Yeah. Well, it was the lie. You know, it says uh, he, he says delusion. Illusion and idea in this, in this, just in what we've read already. That's the lie. Mm-hmm. You know, the lie I tell myself. It's all in the mind. It's all in the mind. The mental, the mental obsession. Um, the illusion that we're like other people or presently maybe has to be smashed. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, I had to get to, I had to get to a point where I can concede it to my every fiber of my being is the only way I can describe it you know what I mean like every part of me I had to concede the lurking notion that someday I can go back and control and enjoy my using like there's no way there's absolutely no way possible that I can do it because and it's not because my my sponsor told me so or I've had experience with this book It's because I've done it I've had time, I had four years, and then went back out, after, and then went, was gone for two, and then came back, and when they say that the disease is progressive, it was definitely progressive for me, and that's my experience, you know what I mean, so I know it doesn't, I will never be able to control and enjoy it, ever again, it'll kill me, I'll be right, I would probably jump right to the gates of insanity or
0: death, within a pretty short time, you know what I mean, so, what makes me think that, it says presently, maybe, what makes me think that eventually, like a- after a while, if mm. I stay clean for four years or whatever, you know, I'll be like the guy who can get high on the weekends yeah. and just wait till next weekend. I, I believe that about myself, right? Mm. For a long time. Definitely. But I have to prove through my experience over and over yeah. that that's not true. It's all about the experience. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm nothing without my experience, you know?
1: And another thing that's crazy is I see people do it. They're able to come to the rooms and get some time and go back out and do it successfully. And I'm like, why can't I do it? I thought, just because I'm in the room and I'm an addict and I call myself an addict, does that make me an addict? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I don't think so, you know what I mean? I, that's why I, like, I love you know, the founders, they would qualify the newcomer before they even came to a meeting. They would qualify a newcomer, do work for them at their house, and then send them to a meeting. You know what I mean? So they knew. I mean, do they belong or not? You know what I I'm so grateful that my last sponsor did qualify me. You know what I mean? So now I know what to do.
0: Can we take a digression for a second and tell me what qualifying somebody is, just in case somebody's not familiar with that yet?
1: Well, I mean, the qualification is me was like do I belong or do I not belong you know everybody's not I I would go into I would go into other fellowships and I would be like well everybody in here is not an out real alcoholic you know what I mean and the heads would turn because they're not so show me in the book where it describes me if, if I'm not if I don't belong here I don't need to be here you know what I'm saying like I don't want to be, I don't, you know, you should see the, the old time with 30 years sitting on the back of the, the back out, on the back wall with his arms crossed saying stupid shit. There's no solution. You know what I mean? Like, show me, is this guy a real alcoholic? And right, in, in, in the book, it talks about am I able to control my drinking once I start or using once I start and am I able to, do I have the power of choice? Like my experience tells me when I'm homeless in the street and I got a, a, my arm tied off and I'm in tears because I'm homeless and I'm eating out dumpsters and my family's not even talking to me anymore but I'm still going to do this last shot of dope I have no choice, I'm using against my will you know like can I live with or without if I can't you know like if I get to a place where I, it's either I can't live with it or without it man, you know what I mean? then you might be an addict that I mean I love the first like you know the first 44 pages he spends a lot of time describing what the real addict looks like with the mental obsession and physical craving he he, he tells you about the allergy, he tells you about the phenomenon of craving tells you about the mental mental obsession and he tells you what's going to happen pitiful, incomprehensible, demoralization, you know what I mean? Like. I can't sit comfortably in my own skin, you know, like, I want to come out of it, and the chaos, like, me, like, my last days out there, all I thought about was dope, how can I get it, how can I make it last, you know, how can I, I'll be able to control and enjoy it this time, or, and if I didn't have the dope, and I was without it, I wanted to kill myself, you know, it's dope and suicide, dope and suicide, over, and not, I don't know. And I wanted to come out of my skin. I was never able to sit comfortably in my own skin, even with the dope. I'm unmanageable before the shot, I'm unmanageable during the shot, and I'm unmanageable after the shot. I get no ease and comfort. There might be a split second, like thir- or thir- uh, 30 seconds of relief, you know, I get from it hitting the table. And that's my, whew, that little breath of relief, and it's right back. I need more, I need more, I need more. What do I gotta do? How can I get it? Who can I con? Mm-hmm. You know. So like, it talks about, um, again, we are alcoholics, we addicts are men and women who have, who have lost the ability to control our using. We know, we, we know that no real addict ever recovers control. All of us felt these times were that we were regaining control, but at such intervals, usually brief were inevitably followed by still less control, which led to the pitiful and inc- incomprehensible demoralization. We are convinced, to a man, that the attic of our top are in a grip of a progressive illness. Over any considerable period, we get worse never better, and we've we've already talked about that. You know, the pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization. What does that mean exactly? That I- for for me, that's like I can't sit comfortably in my own skin. You know, all that in that's unmanageably the spiritual malady for me. Like I'm, it's like. The brokenness, the pain, the misery. You know, the the book talks about the hideous four horsemen. That's what it looks like to me, you know. Um, the four horsemen being terror. Bewilderment, frustration, and despair. despair. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like you ball it all up into one and you put it inside your soul. You know what I mean? Like, when I came in, I, was, I, I would describe myself as broken, like my soul was in half. You know, like I, I had to be put back together, man. I had to be reshaped, reformed, and um, I was like uh, broken down to nothing, and I had to be real, build back up, man. You know, I was I was hurting, man. Um, that's why I love DAA, man. When I came into the room, man, the, when in Knoxville, when DAA first started, or when I came in, it was about three months old, and there was like 10 people, 10 to 15 people on a Tuesday night, and they were talking about God, and they were talking about the promises, the promises manifesting in their lives, and they were saying they were recovered, and they were talking, they were saying things that I've never heard from my previous attempts at this, and it really piqued my interest because I'm a more of a, you can talk all that shit you want, you know, all that good stuff, but show me in the book. You know, I'm gonna show me, you can show me, than you can tell me type of guy. That's the way I like to do my recovery. And that's the way I like to see other people, like if I pick a sponsor, I want you to show me how you get to this point because I'm over here broken and battered and you know bruised, and I'm just i need I need help show me how you get to this, you know. That's why I like the guys that carry books in the meetings, you know what I mean? Like, if you ain't carrying a book in a meeting, I don't, I'm really not going to pay much attention, take much, it's not no depth and weight, you know what I mean? Right. I need, I need a real deal message and I need that, that gut punch kind of message, you know, the way this book does for me, you know? need the solution. Yeah. I need solution bad, man. Like, my life depends on it. Like, I was damn near dead when I came in. Like, This is before I even got into the work. I remember after a couple of days being separated, and I was like, man, I felt like I was in the abyss and it was pulling me. You know what I mean? Like I had one foot in and it was trying to get me in to just keep going into it. And I was like, you know, and I I had a real problem with God, you know, and, and I was able to, I had enough pain, you know, that I was able, I was beaten into that state of reasonableness. And I was like, God, I can't do this no more, man. Like, I need help. You know what I mean? And I was like, the next moment was my first sane thought I would had. You know what I mean? Like, call so-and-so. You know? And it was weird, man, because I always hated the birds, right? You know, that chirping at 3 a.m. <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm sleeping on the street. I'm sleeping behind this building. I'm trying to sleep, and I'm, I'm paranoid, and I'm, you know, Afraid the cops are after me. And so I find a place and I duck down. I'm hiding behind this building and these birds start chirping and it sounded beautiful. And I was like, this is weird. You know what I mean? And then, like, this is, this is going to sound crazy, but I heard my dad say, Call so and so. My dad's dead. And it was like, I was like, God, is that you? You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> what's really going on? Because I, had, I, I hadn't had a same thought about recovery in two years you know it's crazy so um, it says we are like men who have lost their legs they never grow new ones neither does there appear to be any kind of treatment (laughs) which will make addicts of our our kind like other men we have tried every imaginable remedy in some in some instances there have been brief recovery followed by still Worst relapse. Physicians who are familiar with addiction agree that there is no such thing as making a normal user out of an addict. Science may one day accomplish this, but it, but it hasn't done so yet. So, like, <clears throat> that's like, what are we are like men who have lost their legs? What does that mean to you?
0: Well, I mean, I can't grow any legs. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You know, like,
0: you know, compared to your lining up with your addiction, you know, so I can't grow new legs. that means I can't grow a new way of using drugs yeah
1: i can't I can't do it successfully if you if you want to look at it in that terms, like I can't control and enjoy it. you know, I'll never be able to go back to the glory days you know, when I had my legs. you know those days were gone, my legs cut off at my knee, and I think I can still do it like I used to. I can't walk like I used to. I can't use like I used to. It's, I, it's It's already said we were in the grips of a progressive illness. You know. It gets worse, never better. And there's no treatment that can fix this? I mean. <laughs> there, some people will say there is, but not for the real addict, I don't believe. I know, like, the only... <laughs> so, I've also done methadone and suboxone. And so... What I like, I've heard Suboxone called and what I used to use it for was for, you know, heroin tickets. You know, it was my, I, I did, or I need to, I'm gonna trade these in for some heroin. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I would go, they would give me 90 strips and I would go on with them and I didn't use them. I would get rid of them because, you know, that's what I did. Um, I, You know, I was going to the methadone clinics and getting dosed daily, man and you know like what well, I hear people all the time say well I go to the methadone clinic am I clean or am I sober I was like I don't know what's the first thing you do when you get up you run to the methadone clinic or you are you doing prayer and meditation you know what I mean so <laughs> I don't
0: know I, what, but to me that seems like a normal life like when I'm in it yeah you know, it does. like it seems totally normal like to get up and go do that
1: yeah I remember driving to Chat Chattanooga to go to the Methadone Clinic. You know, and I'm living in a hotel room, and in somebody else's car because I don't have one. I got to catch a ride, and then I got to pay them out of my take homes, and then, you know, how do I survive? How do I? How can I manage all this? Like, I I got this room for a few days. I don't have a vehicle. I don't have a job. You know, so I got to con somebody somewhere. I got to get something to keep this going. You know what I mean? It's like, I can't differentiate the truth from the false. It's one big lie. This is the idea, back back to that whole idea that someday somehow I could control and enjoy. And it never works out. I might be able to pull it off for a little bit of time, but at some point I'm gonna crash and burn.
0: So even the treatment's crashing and burning. For me it is. Yeah. 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 Let's see do we got. In some instances.
1: In some instances have been a brief, I mean we just talked about yeah, it, in some, yeah. followed by always a still worse relapse. Physicians who are familiar with addiction agree there is no such thing as making a normal user out of an addict. Science may one day accomplish this, okay so, despite all we can say, many who are real addicts are going to believe that they are in that class. There's the back to the, you know, the the idea that someday, somehow, you know. By reform of self-deception and experimentation, they will prove themselves exception to the rule. Therefore, non-addict.
0: I'm not one of those guys. You're not. You <laughs> know. I'm going to prove it to everybody. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me show you how.
1: Yeah, I can show you, better than I can tell you. Yeah. I'm going to run it to the wheel spot. So, how? And we've talked about the self-deception and experimentation already. If anyone is showing the inability to control his using can do the right about face and drink, or use like a gentleman. Our hats are off to him. I love that lot. Heaven knows we have tried hard enough, hard and long enough to use like other people. And then it goes to the methods which we've already talked about. You know, like, do you want to touch on that?
0: It's up, it's up to you, man. All right,
1: so I'm. A, we've already done that. So we did not like to pronounce any individual as an addict, but you can quite uh, quickly diagnose yourself. Step over to the nearest trap house and try some controlled crack smoking. <laughs> try to use and stop abruptly. Try it. More than once. It will not take long for you to decide if you're honest with yourself about it. It may be a bad case for the jitters if you get a full knowledge of your condition. So what do you think about that state?
0: I mean, I mean, do you suggest that people no, go I,
1: and- <laughs> No, 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 no. You know, like when I when I talk to when I work with sponsees, you know, I say, okay, so when you go to the, when you go to the trap house, are you able to take a hit? Yeah, I mean, whatever they I mean, whatever they do, you know, can you take a sh- just one shot, one hit, one line, and walk away from it? You know what I mean? I know I can't. Like I said, you know, I'm the type of dude. If there's dope on the table, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it, it till it's gone. How, whatever I got to do to get it, I'm going to do it. You know what I mean? I was never able to walk away from walk away from, you know, anything. My, the, it wouldn't let me. I've I lost the power of choice in the matter, you know, back to the qualification. Do, do you have the power of choice to walk away from it? No, every time.
0: I mean, sometimes I try to prove that
1: I can, though. I mean, there there may be some some instances where I was able to, very few, 99, 99 times out of 100, I was not able to, you know, but there might be that one instance where I was able to slow down or walk away and usually there, there was a girl involved or you know some there had to be a good there has to be some a really good reason for me to be able to do that you know and it's like when that shit happens for me it's like the stars align you know what I mean that's the only way it's gonna happen because 99 out of a hundred times I can't walk away from it no matter the job the family you know whatever responsibilities i have in my life at that moment i can't i can't walk away from
0: it but i hold on to that one time
1: yeah that one time see i did it i did that one time eight years ago and i remember that you know i, I <laughs> the could run that thing. one time where i was able to say i'm good for right now and everybody's like what what you know like it's crazy there's no way yeah proving it. Though, though there's no way to prove it we believe that early in our using career most of us could have stopped using is that a true statement
0: I probably could have early yeah. on maybe I don't know I'm but at the same time the book tells me I have an allergic reaction so could I have I don't know there's no way for me to prove it because
1: I believe I'm here I, now I believe it's in a I believe that the disease it's a progressive illness and I believe that we all have At some point, probably could have stopped if we knew, if we had, that we were armed with the facts about ourselves. Maybe I don't know, but I wouldn't have. You couldn't have told me nothing when I was 20 years old. You couldn't have told me like, like my dad was a member of AA for, and when he died, he had 43 years, and he went to meetings. He went, he went to H and I in the jails. He sponsored. He helped a lot of people, and I heard, I was around it and it still was not enough for me to say I maybe I should stop you know what I mean so I don't know not for me it wasn't I don't know maybe other people are different (laughs) you know sometimes they are but the difficulty that few addicts have enough desire to stop while there is yet time we have heard a few instances where people who show definite signs of addiction were able to stop for a long period of time because of an overpowering desire to do so and here's one a man of thirty was doing a great deal of spree using he was very nervous in the morning after these bouts and quiet himself with more drugs he was ambitious to succeed in business but saw that he would get nowhere if he used it all once he started he had no control whatever whatever. he made up his mind that until he had been successful in business and had retired he would not touch any touch touch another draw. An exceptional man, he has remained bone dry for about 25 years and retired at the age of 55 after a successful and happy business career. Then he fell victim to the belief that, which practically every addict has, that his long period of sobriety and self-discipline has qualified him to use as other men. Out came his carpet slippers and a, and a bottle. In, in two months, he was in a hospital, puzzled, humiliated, he tried to regulate his using for a while, making several trips to the hospital, meantime. Then, gathering all his forces, he attempted to stop altogether and found he could not. Every means of solving his problem, which money could buy, were at his disposal. Every attempt failed. Though a robust man at retirement, he went to pieces quickly and was dead within, within four years. I mean, like, there's the the proof is in the pudding. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it says then he fell victim to a belief which practically every addict has that his that his long period of sobriety and self-discipline has qualified him to drink as other men. That's like for me, that's the mental twist of this whole thing. You know, I you hear stories about people going periods of time and then
0: right back into the progression you know um, so staying away from it is not enough. no
1: no not if you're the real deal man like if I'm if you're the real deal addict that does not work for you it doesn't work for me you know that's what the book tells me
0: so you're telling me no matter how long I stay away from it I'm gonna get worse if I go back to it exactly if I'm a real deal yes
1: that's my experience Says in two months he was in a hospital, puzzled and humiliated. He tried to regulate his using for a while while making several trips to the hospital. Meantime, his allergy had kicked
0: in. I keep I keep getting put in the hospital. Keep getting arrested. Keep getting put in mm-hmm. the mental institution or rehab or right. whatever several times. But I come out and I'm like, well, I'll just try it a different way. Yeah. Maybe
1: I can use like a gentleman. <laughs> you know,
0: but I stayed away from it for so many years. This right. guy says, "Yeah." Hmm.
1: It says then, gathering all his forces, he attempted to stop all and found he could not. Every means of solving his problem. I mean, if there was a way that we could, it could, we could, you know, he's talking about like today you could apply it to like detox treatment, halfway sober living, whatever, life coaches, whatever you want to. <laughs> Whatever you want to throw at it. All the money that he had at his disposable, he, he tried every means possible, and he still cannot stop.
0: So his business career didn't matter. No, it didn't. Yeah, he saved up all that money in his business career yeah. and just like threw it all away, yeah. trying to get better from uh, from the drugs or drinking right. that he gave back into after so many years. It's
1: a mental obsession, man. It mm-hmm. finally caught up to him the lie that the mind tells us, the ego throws at us, that he's throwing these lies at us to see which one sticks, and when one sticks, he's like, oh yeah, maybe I can drink like a gentleman, you know. This case contains a powerful lesson most of us believe that if we remain sober for a long stretch, we could therefore use normally. But here's a man of 55 years, uh, found he was just where he had left off at 30. We have seen the truth demonstrated again and again, once an addict, always an addict commencing to use after a period of sobriety we in a short time as bad as ever. If we were planning to stop using there must be no reservation of any kind nor any lurking notion that someday we will be immune to drugs. So, the powerful lesson. Um, How do
0: I get rid of the reservation? How do you get rid of
1: the reservation? For me it took getting my ass whooped. You know what I mean? I had to go out there and and prove to myself that I was I, I couldn't do it. You know, people talk about bottoms all the time. Well, my bottom when it my my bottom finally came when I became pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization, That internal stuff, man. You know what I mean? And the chaos in my mind, like that drove me to be to the gates of insanity and death. You know what I mean? Like I, I can I can drive down drive downtown under the bridge and see them guys homeless you know and you can hear them talking to themselves and i was like and, and that's that's the way i was like in internally you know what i mean like talking to my talking to my ego you know mm-hmm. um trying to convince myself that i could do it one more time you know what i mean but it it took me like I always tell people like my bottom, my bottom had a trapdoor in it. And I fell through that motherfucker many, many times, you know. So other people have different experiences, but mine was that hardcore bottom after falling through that trapdoor time after time after time after time. I don't know, maybe some people have a different experience, I don't know.
0: So it was just that one day laying out there and listening yeah. to the birds? And- yeah,
1: 3 a.m., man, homeless you know, scared to death, terrified, full of fear, um, resentful, I, I was full of self-hatred and rage, man, and so, I can't even get past, I couldn't even get past those two feelings, the self hate. I hate myself, and I want to die, and I tried to, I had a suicide attempts, you know, because I couldn't control and enjoy my using, you know, it drove me to that pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization, I keep going back to it, man, but that's my, in turn, my, my insides, man, and, um, yeah, I couldn't. It just it got to it got to a point to where I was either going to kill myself, try again, or I was really thinking about catching a charge so I could get off the streets and get get somewhere to lay my head, and my ass down, and be safe because I was tired of tired of being tired, man. You know. You know, like some people can go through a relapse and come right back. I've seen it happen. I've seen guys go out and spend thousand dollars on a crack binge in two weeks or a week, and come right back and go to the halfway and and, and do the deal. Um, but I had to go through two years of pain. You know what I mean? Like everybody's experience is different. But like the one uh, the one line in here: once an addict, always an addict. What's that mean?
0: I'll never not be a drug addict. Right.
1: Once an addict, always an addict. So like, if I was to go out and cram a needle in my arm, right, it would, it would set off that, that allergy, right? Mm. That physical craving will kick in and then I'll be right back to where I was, probably worse. That's That's been my experience. Mm. But some people tell you that's a lie. Once an addict, always an addict is a lie. And I disagree because that's not what my experience in this book tells me. Mm.
0: I have to be careful what I listen to. That would be the experience of a person who can is success, maybe a hard
1: user, right? The hard user, right? They can stop or moderate I, if necessary. If necessary, if they got a good enough reason, they could pump the brakes on it. But not for me. I don't. I don't. I lose all control. I'm gonna use anyway. Yeah. Regardless of the situation. Right. Yeah. No matter what my life looks like at the time, how wonderful it is, and then what I have to lose, it'll just I'll lose it all, and I'm. Very brief period of time, more than likely. Um, If we're planning or commencing to use after a period of sobriety, we're in short time as bad as ever. If we're planning to stop using, there must be no reservation of any kind, nor lurking notion that someday we'll be immune to alcohol. You know, and I always ask my guys, like, do you think you can use successfully? And if if they think they can, we gotta take a look at it. It's like taking a really hard look at step one. You know. Um so there can't I there's just not there can't be, man. You know, like there's no point of even continuing on in the steps if you got a reservation. You know. You have that idea has to be
0: smashed. This is kinda des- kinda tied to the re- desire to stop using. That's the requirement for membership, right? right? Yeah. How can I have a desire to stop yeah, using? Yeah, you can't
1: it? be a member if you're you can't be a member of DAA or any
0: fellowship if you don't have that desire. So, uh, in order to be a member, I have to get rid of the reservation? Exactly. That means I have to keep trying to use successfully I mean, until I can't anymore?
1: You, I mean, you can do, always do the test. Go to the nearest... <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't want to do that.
1: <laughs> I mean...
0: Yeah. <laughs> young people may yeah. be encouraged by this man's experience to think they could stop as he did on their own willpower we doubt if many of them can do it because none will really want to stop and hardly one of them because of the peculiar mental twist already acquired will find he can win out several of our crowd men of 30 or less had been drinking only a few years but they found themselves as helpless as those who had been drinking for 20 years
1: that uh, uh the whole mental twist it's right back to the to the, the obsession, you know, like, I, man, I would prefer to get an older cat as a sponsor any day of the week, man. The young guys, man, break my heart, man. You know, like they they they're young and they want. It's just hard, man. I really when I see a young guy come in and do the deal, I'm like, damn, that's more that's I respect the hell out of that because again, at 20 years old, you couldn't have told me nothing. You know, I had to go through it and through it and through it. So, yeah, I love it when I see the young guys come in and do the deal. It's very, you know, it's it's awesome.
0: To be gravely affected, one does not necessarily have to use for a long time, nor take the quantities that some of us have. This is particularly true of women. Potential female addicts often turn into the real deal and are gone beyond recall in a few years. Certain users who would be greatly insulted if called addicts are astonished at their inability to stop. We who are familiar with the symptoms see large numbers of potential addicts among young people everywhere, but try and get them to see it.
1: So do you, do you think that, that women become the real
0: deal a lot quicker than men? I don't, I, I don't have the experience of a woman. You know? I mean, like so, just, just looking at
1: the, uh, in the terms of seeing the people come in the door in a fellowship.
0: Man, I see just as many women who are just as bad, if not worse, yeah. than, it, than the guys that come in. Right. Yeah, plenty yeah, of them. That's crazy. Uh, and what about, What do you think about this? You were talking about how at your bottom always has a trap door, but what about this line of to be gravely effective? one does not necessarily have to use a long time, nor take the quantities that some of us have. Yeah, that's, when I first
1: when I first came in, that always threw me off, man, because I thought a real addict was somebody like me that spent decades into it. And then when I would see guys come in that had been using for like five years, man. And see, that's what makes a real addict. You know what I mean? Like, And then you talk to the cat, and he's like, man, I can't control it, man, and, and I'm using against my will, and, you know I have this chaos in my head and I can't sit comfortably in my own skin and I'm like damn that's how it happens me too you know what I mean so I don't think time matters I don't think the years matter or the substance matters like I had someone ask me or tell me that you can't be the real addict unless you shoot dope I was like get the fuck out of here with that bullshit you know what I mean tell that to the crackhead you know or or the house mom you know like I've seen people with, with Six-figure jobs with a house and a wife and and the and, the, and the real nice cars and they were not able to control and enjoy the, you know they no control over it no choice in the matter and they could they were unmanageable you know they could sit in their own skin but does their high bottom just because they have a you know high bottom and I have a low bottom it don't mean they don't mean shit
0: the mental obsession is still yeah, the same
1: the mental obsession
0: is still the same yeah. for men, women, young people. It doesn't matter. It doesn't doesn't matter. matter. So as we look back, we feel we have gone on using many years beyond the point where we could quit on our own willpower. If anybody questions whether he has entered this dangerous area, let him try leaving drugs alone for one year. If they're a real addict and very far advanced, there is scant chance of success. In the early days of our using, we occasionally remain sober for a year or more, becoming serious users again later. Though you may be able to stop for a considerable period, you may yet be a potential addict. I remember a lot of times where, like, it was necessary for me to stop for a certain amount of time because of my life circumstances. I was in college, or uh, mm. I was about to get married, or like, it, you know, like I had to hide it from su- some people, right. and so I'd either do it more secretively, or I would just like stop for a couple months if I really had to. But I was miserable the whole time.
1: Yeah, yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Um, the, but again, at some at a certain point, like I, all that didn't matter. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't, I didn't care. You know, if I'm full of self hatred towards myself, I really don't care what your opinion is. I
0: mean,
1: you know what I mean? And if you do share your opinion with me, it'll just make me even more worse than I was, you know what I mean? I'll have more, more, you know, like, uh, though you may be able to stop for a considerable period, you may, you may yet be a potential alcoholic. There's one line that uh, Bill Wilson wrote about the fellowship, and he was like, AA is for the alcoholic or the potential alcoholic. And that's a, that's a hard truth for me to, cause, uh, I don't know. It's hard for me to digest sometimes You know, because I want to be, I want to help the real deal, man. And if you're a potential real deal, are you really going to do the work? Hmm. You know?
0: So it's about willingness for you?
1: Yeah. Like, let's see, I don't care what comes out of your mouth. Let's see what your feet are going to do. I'm about getting, doing, you know, let your actions speak for you. You know? So, it says, do you want to cover anything else on that? For those who are unable to drink moderately, the question is how to stop altogether. We are uh, assuming, of course, that the reader has a desire to stop. Whether such a person can quit upon a non-spiritual basis depends upon the extent to which he has already lost the power to choose whether he will use or not. Like, that's a pretty powerful statement to me. Could you stop without a non- on a
0: non-spiritual basis? Are, are you asking me if yeah. I need God to stop?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, what's it based on experience, you know,
0: <laughs> in the, if I'm, as a, as a person who's pretending to be a sponsee, yeah. uh, I, I don't want anything to have yeah, to do with Yeah, definitely. God. It's like, I don't. Are I don't, you kidding me? No. You're telling me I just can't stay away from it? Like.
1: <laughs> if you, if you can use Like a Gentleman, let me know how to do it. You know what I mean? There'd be a lot of people that would like to know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, I tried controlling it in a lot of different ways. So clearly, none of those ways work for me. I wouldn't be sitting here with you. Right.
1: Right. (laughs) Yeah. But that's a good. That is a really good line in the book, man. Uh, I remember early on when when I was going through with my sponsor, I was like that. that. That's a gut punch, man. You know, it's like. He's like, You got two two options, right? You can go to the bitter end. He said, and you'll probably end up out here in a ditch. Nobody's gonna know where you're at. You're just gonna be John Doe in the same you know, in the morgue. Or you can accept spiritual help. So you're fucked either way.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, I, was, I was like, Man. so what do you mean by a spiritual basis? What what is that? What do I have
1: like to do? Do the steps one through twelve. You know. The steps are the spiritual
0: principle. Can you do them? Hmm. I, I guess I'm going to have to. Yeah. I want to stay yeah. sober because yeah. I tried everything else.
1: Uh, many of us had plenty of character. There, there was a tremendous urge to cease forever. Yet it is impossible. This is the cunning, I mean, this is the baffling feature of addiction as we know it. This utter inability to leave it alone, no matter how great the necessity or wish.
0: I Man, I tried going to church though. So. Yeah, yeah, I did too. It Didn't work. But isn't that a spiritual basis? Mm. Why? That's, why a religion, that that's religion. There's a big difference. I guess I'm gonna find out what <laughs> what the spiritual basis <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah,
1: you're going you're going you're gonna learn today. <laughs> Just say that to yourself every day when you wake up. You're gonna learn today. <laughs> Yeah, you know like <clears throat> I see you know go to the halfway house and I hear these guys I don't need these steps I go to church I believe in God and I was like that's awesome that's really that's all. Awesome. I mean that's awesome but you still need to do these certain things like you've been blessed with addiction right so you need to treat it the way it's outlined in these steps you know just because you go to church like if, you, if, you, if a person goes to church, and, and I have nothing against church, you know, I think it's awesome that people can do that. But if a person actually went to church and ends up in a halfway house after a spree, my question is to you, are you following the directions that are in that book? <laughs> you know, because it comes from the same place. It's all the same thing. Are you able to follow those directions? So, if you can't follow those directions and they're too difficult for you, maybe you might take a little simpler approach. You know. Okay. I mean, I don't know.
0: Are you saying this is a simpler approach? Yeah,
1: I think it is a much simpler approach.
0: All right. Well, let's keep going then. All right. How then shall we help our readers determine to their satisfaction whether they are one of us? The experiment of quitting for a period of time will be helpful, but we think we can render an even greater service to addict sufferers and perhaps to the medical fraternity. So we shall describe some of the middle states that precede a relapse into drinking, for obviously this is the crux of the problem.
1: So what sort of thinking dominates an addict who repeats time after time the desperate Experiment of the first drug. Friends who have reasoned with him after a spree, which have brought him to the point of divorce or bankruptcy, or mystified when he walks directly into the trap house. Why does he? Of what is he? Th- what is he thinking? So, what's the what's what's your experience on the thought leading up to the relapse and the desperate the desperate experiment?
0: I don't know. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I just do it. It's just like, I just do it. It's insanity. And, and people see me do it and they're like, why are you doing that? Mm-hmm. You and have, I you have keep all walking this, to it anyway. You have, you have all this to lose. Why do it? I don't
1: I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it
1: feels good. Yeah, like, I want the effect. Like, you know, it talks about, um, I like the effects produced by drugs. Like the first time that I did heroin. I had a spiritual a spiritual experience. It was magical, you know. Like I got stuck and uh, I couldn't move and I couldn't talk and it was a wonderful feeling. And then after that, every time I did it, I was chasing that that magic. I wanted to recapture that experience. You know what I mean? And it never fucking happens.
0: Hmm.
1: It might happen a few times after, but it's not as intense and it's not as wonderful as that first that first hmm. attempt. And you, and I can. Say that about every drug I've ever did, mm-hmm. even alcohol. Like there was times early on in the f- first five years of five to ten years of drinking, it was magical. I had a fucking ball, man, going to the music festivals, going to shows with my mm-hmm. friends, like camping or what, you know doing whatever we do. You know what I mean? It, I had fucking a ball doing it, and then, but this time, I'm gonna do it and I'm gonna lose everything.
0: Mm-hmm. It's like the insanity. I I have still have the idea that it's going to be fun. Yeah.
1: I don't remember the last 10 decades of misery. I remember the first 10 of fun when I was able to, to do it successfully.
0: A lot of times I think about, like, I just need a break from life, from myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I deserve this. Yeah. She's been treating me bad. Mm-hmm. You know, like, we got in a fight, whatever. You know, like, i come up with a bunch of excuses as to why I'm about to go do this right because i need to feel better yeah you need to feel better and
1: what we're what this book's telling you is that you need a spiritual experience
0: Mm. produced by brought on by the 12 steps all right so our first example yeah our friend we shall call jim this man has a charming wife and family he inherited a lucrative automobile agency he has a commendable world war record he's a good salesman everybody likes him he's an intelligent man normal so far as we can see except for a nervous disposition he did no drinking until he was 35 a few years he became so violent when intoxicated that he had to be committed on leaving the asylum he came into contact with us we told him what we knew of alcoholism and the answer we had found he made a beginning His family was reassembled, and he began to work as a salesman for the business he had lost through drinking. All went well for a time, but he failed to enlarge his spiritual life. To his consternation, he found himself drunk half a dozen times in rapid succession. On each of these occasions, we worked with him, reviewing carefully what had happened. He agreed he was a real addict and in a serious condition. He knew he faced another trip to the asylum if he kept on. Moreover, he would lose his family, for whom he had a deep affection. Yeah, so... When, you
1: know, so he had, Jim was like a really good dude. It sounds like he had all this good stuff going for him. You know, he had a wife, and a, he had a business he inherited. He was, he had a, he was a war hero, you know, and he was a good salesman and everybody liked him intelligent, except for that nervous disposition. And I mean, like, that's a reoccurring theme from the last story. Yep. That guy had a nervous, he was, had a bad case of the nerves, I believe. What is that? I mean, what what are they talking about? The you jitters. Know? Yeah, the the nervousness. Like, uh,
0: not comfortable with myself. Yeah,
1: not comfortable in my own skin. You mm. know.
0: Um, you ever have guys who uh, get started? You like talk to them. They get started. They start going through the book with you or whatever, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they get their girlfriend back. They get a yeah. job, and then they stop showing up. And
1: that and that's. It says we told him what we knew of alcoholism or addiction, and the in the answer we had found, he may one two and three, bam right there. Then the ego rib, re- you know, I want to catch them when they're coming in the door, when they're broken like I was, because that's when you can get them hooked really quick. And you gotta tell you, I, I take my guys through the steps quick. I went through the steps in ten days, or I got to step nine in ten days. You know, and it probably could have been a like lot quicker if schedules would have aligned a little bit better, but I did the work. I wasn't working. I was in a halfway house. I was, you know, had the time to do the reading, do the work. So at step, at 10 days at step nine, a month later, I was sponsoring, you know. So, and my ego was crushed at that point when I came in. So, so when the guys come in the door, I want them when their ego's broke, you know, when they're broken. And run through the work because at some point a couple of days into it their you know their family's like oh I'm, you're doing a good job and they get a job and they get some money in their pocket and they can buy their own cigarettes and they're not having to bum from other people or, or smoking roll ups you know what I mean <laughs> so their ego their ego's gonna reestablish right and then like the family resembles he begins to work you know like but he, and he, he, he all the stuff all his life Starts to come back together for him, but he stops doing the work at steps 4 through 12. Perfecting and enlarging my spiritual life.
0: So that's what happened to this guy? Yeah,
1: that's what happened to him. He failed to enlarge his spiritual life, steps 4 through 12.
0: He got drunk again. Mm -hmm. We asked him to tell us exactly how it happened, and this is the story. I came to work on Tuesday morning. I remember I felt irritated that I had to be a salesman for a concern I once owned. I had a few words with the boss, but nothing serious. Then I decided to drive into the country and see one of my prospects for a car. On the way, I felt hungry, so I stopped at a roadside place where they have a bar. I had no intention of drinking. I just thought I'd get a sandwich. I also had the notion that I might find a customer for a car at this place, which was familiar, for I had been going to it for years. I'd eaten there many times during the months I was sober. I sat down at the table and ordered a sandwich and a glass of milk. Still no thought of using or drinking. I ordered another sandwich and decided to have another glass of milk. Suddenly, the thought crossed my mind that if I could put an ounce of whiskey in my milk, it wouldn't hurt me on a full stomach. I ordered a whiskey and poured it into my milk. I vaguely sensed that I was not being any too smart, but felt reassured as I was taking the whiskey on a full stomach. The experiment went so well that i ordered another whiskey and poured it into more milk that didn't seem to bother me so i tried another
1: so like uh, going through the story it says i remember i felt irritated then on down it says i had a few words with my boss then it's on down it says i had no intention of drinking so he was irritated right mm-hmm. nerves he had the nervous disposition now he's irritated and then he's going to have a few words with his boss. So what is that all about? Resentment. You know, I mean, y'all, the unmanageability. You know, he's unmanageable. Yeah, he, I didn't. Resentment? You know, like, what, what is he not, what's going on with this guy that he's, he feels nervous, he's irritated, and then, he, and then he has a few words with his boss. Is he spiritually fit or is he unspiritually fit? Um, and he has no intention of drinking. But down in, he says, then the obsession kicks in. And suddenly, the thought crossed my mind, the obsession, ran through his mind that he could have some whiskey with his milk. And who does that? That doesn't sound good at all, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, why? It,
0: it won't hurt me on a full stomach. Yeah, it won't hurt. <laughs> just just one Xanax. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just irritated. I need a Xanax. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm just upset, uh, and that that Boy. seems reasonable to me, right? It does. It does. Like I'm upset, I need mm-hmm. a I need a drink, or I need to use. Cause that's that's our sort of old idea, shit, man. Like <clears throat> my whole I, I, my whole
1: life, man, I've taken the Xanax to calm my nerves. Hmm. But this one thing to take one Xanax as prescribed versus taking five totem poles at one time you know what I mean <laughs> which is what I'll do yeah which is exactly what I'll do or I'll snort them or whatever you know what I mean right I'll put this Xanax with this Roxy let's see what happens <laughs> or this Oxy or whatever let's see what happens I got i I'm irritated I am I got a nervous disposition
0: I need a spiritual experience yeah Bam. but the drugs give me the spiritual experience
1: yeah. and that's what we want That's that's what I wanted you know what I mean and then I come in, I do the work, and I have this feeling that is the only way I can describe. It, like in the book, is electric, right? I'm, it's I'm, I'm zooming spiritually, and the adult man never had that relief. He never sold me that feeling. You know what I mean? And that's the you know, I mean the only way I can describe it. I don't have the vocabulary to describe how I felt when I had my awakening. It was like. You know, God himself came down from the heavens that day when I said that prayer homeless in the street and slapped the shit out of me. Like, wake up. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, get your ass up. You, you know? And I did. Then the following day I got I was in the halfway. Until like three days later I, I had my own sponsor, you know, and then I I was at I was somewhere between steps five and nine before I went to my first DAA meeting. So I was sponsored in by DAA. DAA sponsored, did the work, sponsored in. Kind of like I'd like to say, like the old the founders did. You know, it sounds it's a really good, but. So it says thus started one more journey to the asylum for Jim. He was there with the threat of commitment and the loss of family, position. To say nothing, that uh, intense mental and physical suffering which using always caused him. He had, he had much knowledge about himself as an addict, yet all reasons for using were easily pus- pushed aside in favor of the foolish idea that, that he could take that one Xanax if only he mixed it properly. <laughs> Whatever the precise, precise definition of the word may be, we call this plain insanity. How can such a lack of proportion of the ability to think straight be
0: called anything else? So is this step one or two? One: the unmanageability. Mm-hmm.
1: Plain insanity the lack of proportion of the ability to streak. You know old insanity is doing the same thing over you, know, expecting different results. No, it's not. It says right here what it
0: is. That's the definition. Uh, tell me again,
1: the, the lack of proportion of the ability to think straight.
0: that's insanity. You know, the inability. So, coming up with new ideas. Right. To
1: it, it says down on the, on the previous page he had su- he had much knowledge about himself as an addict, right? What's your experience tell you? What is it, what what has happened as a direct result of your experience? Where are you? You know what I mean? Yet all reasons for, yet all reasons for not using were easily pushed aside in favor of the foolish idea, the obsession, that he could take one bar, zany bar if you mixed it properly. What's your what's your experience tell you, you know, like my first time in the rooms, I was going to I was going to AA, I was going to NA and I was going to CA, right? I had all the approved and non-approved literature. I was dying sober, you know. <laughs> and I had all their had all this literature and I read it all and I and then, you know, like I'm, i I want to. I was willing, and that's how willing I was. I was like, I want to do. I'm going to do the deal, man. And I went through the steps probably seven times with five different sponsors. Right. Hmm. I had a, so much knowledge about myself that it didn't matter. You know, because I wasn't following the directions.
0: Yeah. So what was the difference between the time, the seven times, and the one time? You know, what was the difference between seven the times?
1: The spiritual. Well, first off, I. You can't... The 12 steps mean what they say. You know what I mean? Like, and they're in order for a reason. And it doesn't say that I can pick and choose which steps I'm willing to do. Just because I'm mad at God or mad at this person doesn't mean I don't have to do the work on it. So, I stopped. I got in resentment. Real bad resentment, right? And I stopped doing 10, 11, and 12. That was my, you know... And for a year. So, I'm like dragging my knuckles angry. Working in a halfway house you know, and I'm doing clinical training along with it, and so I have all this knowledge about myself, and I see these guys coming in broken and beaten, but I, and I'm telling them what to do, but I'm not following my own suggestions, you know what I mean, so I go back out, so this time, I had enough experience about myself, or enough knowledge about myself that I knew that I couldn't pick and choose what I was willing or not willing to do, so like, the whole God con- God idea had to be, it had to be, you know, had to grow spiritually or die.
0: So, in that relapse time, you pushed aside all of the ideas mm. for the idea that you could use again successfully. Yeah, yeah. That's the insanity.
1: That's the insanity, yeah. Well, whatever the precise, okay, we read that. So you may think this is an extreme case. To us, it is not far-fetched. This kind of thinking has been characterized for every single one of us. We have sometimes reflected that Jim did upon the, did upon the consequences, but there was always a curious mental phenomenon that paralleled with our sound reasoning there inevitably that ran some insanely trivial, trivial excuse for taking the first drug. Our sound reasoning failed to hold us in check. The same insane idea won out next day we could ask ourselves in all earnest and sincerity how could it ever how could it have happened the 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 mental phenomenon that paralyzes our sound reasoning there inevitably ran some insanely trivial excuse for taking the first drug our sound reasoning failed to hold us in check the insane idea went out time after time after time after time after time I mean like what is what is what does your experience tell you
0: what does my experience tell me about the insane mm-hmm. idea of winning out? Yeah, yeah. The, the mental phenomenon. That, that I'll always trust that it'll be different. Yeah. That i always trust that, the, that I won't get caught. Mm-hmm. i always trust that uh, I'll, I won't get as bad as last time. That I'll always trust that uh, she won't find out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> i always trust that uh, I nope. won't steal from anybody this time. Mm-hmm. Nobody's gonna know. Nobody will know yeah they won't be able to tell that that always wins
1: i, I would i would go to i had back surgery right and a bad one and so I have MRIs. so i i could go i could go to any pain clinic I wanted to so and I did that for a decade you know and so I would go in to these doctors and I would get loaded up with all kinds of shit I'd go to the pharmacy and walk out and I'd have my bag like you know like yeah it's like it's like my self-worth goes up some i feel so much better that ease and comfort comes immediately and once i get that bag in my hand i can hear them pills rattling and so i get home and i would take my bottles out right and I would these pills over here this is this is my pile right <laughs> this pile over here is for my bills for my rent this this here's, here's a few for my brother Mm-hmm. i throw him a bone, because if I throw him a bone, maybe he'll sell something for me, and I'll make some money. This pill goes over here for my cell phone bill, or whatever, you know what I mean? And after a few days, those piles end up in one big pile. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the curious mental, the phenomenon. Sound reasoning, it sounded really sound in the moment, and I did that for years, man. Every fucking time I go get pain pills, man, like... I, this is what it's going, this is what's going to happen. It's going to be different this time right here. I'm going to make it work. And then at the end of it, I'm going to the dope man where I sold the pills half off and I'm having to buy them full price. Or <laughs> or I'm completely broke. My rent's not paid, you know, and I'm I'm I'll give you two for one. You know what <laughs> I mean? And I'll do that like three times in a day, you know, and I'll end up owing this guy like 30, 40 pills, you know, and I get it's crazy. Or sound reasoning failed to hold us us in check. The insane idea won out. Every time.
0: In some circumstances, we went out deliberately to get high, feeling ourselves justified by nervousness, anger, worry, depression, jealousy, or the like. But even in this type of beginning, we are obliged to admit that our justification for a spree was insanely insufficient in light of what always happened we now see that when we began to use deliberately instead of casually, there was little serious or effective thought during that period of premeditation of what the terrific consequences might be. Is that saying, like, I get mad? Yeah. And I go, get high? I
1: For me, it's like, fuck it. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I'll show you. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, fuck it, I'm done. Fuck it, I'm, I'll am i show you this time. You know? That That's the only way I can describe it, like, I get so unmanageable, you know, and the obsession is like, fuck it, go get high, alright, sounds like a good plan, mm-hmm. you know, nothing else has ever worked in my life, you know, but that, that's that's the lie too, you know, that's going to a content prior to investigation, big time, because I never took a, never tried it this way, mm. I just had my own experience to go off of and it never worked, so why would anything else?
0: I didn't follow the directions. Right. Yeah. I didn't,
1: Or I didn't even attempt to follow the directions. Yeah. You know, like, I'm self-willing it to death. Because <laughs> I, I was raised right. I had good morals, you know, in, in a lot of regards, except for alcohol and drugs, man. You know? I just did what I wanted to do. Right. In yeah. that situation, all the time. Our behavior is a, as absurd and incomprehensible with respect to the first drug as that of any an individual with a passion, say, for jaywalking. He gets a thrill out of skipping in front of fast-moving vehicles. He enjoys himself for a few years in spite of friendly warnings. Up to this point, you would label him as foolish chap, having queer ideas of fun. Luck then deserts him, and he is slightly injured several times in succession. You would expect him, if he were normal, to cut it out, presenting presently he is hit again and this time has a fractured skull. Within a week after leaving the hospital a fast moving trolley car breaks his arm. He tells you he has decided to stop jaywalking for good, but in a few weeks he he breaks both legs. On through the years this conduct continues, accompanied by his continual promises to be careful or to keep off the streets altogether. Finally he can no longer work. His wife gets a divorce and he is held up to ridicule. He tries Every known means to get the jaywalking idea out of his head, he shuts himself up in an asylum hoping to mend his ways. But the day he comes out, he races in front of a fire engine, which breaks his, breaks his back. Such a man would be crazy, wouldn't he? You think this, our illustration is too ridiculous, but is it? We who have been through the wringer have, have to admit that if we substituted addiction for jaywalking, the illustration would fit us exactly however intelligent we may have been in other respects where drugs, drug addiction has been involved we have been extremely insane. It's it's strong language, but isn't it true? So, what do you think about it? Uh, Substitute the word for dope for jaywalking.
0: So, uh, I remember a lot of times my granddad for example would say you know you ought to not do that because alcoholism runs in our family, mm-hmm. and I do it anyway. I'm saying, nah, I'm not gonna be like one of them. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the warnings, right? Oh, yes. Like, eh, or where I get so drunk I black out, or so high that I can't function, and everybody's like, well, why would you do that to yourself? Mm-hmm. I've had people say that, like, why do, you, why do you do you think this is fun? Mm-hmm. This doesn't look like fun. To them, it's a strange, a queer idea of fun. Right. Strange idea. Uh, so then I get luck deserts me. I end up in a mental hospital. I end up divorced. I end up crazy, full-on crazy. And, and yet, I still want to do it anyway. Right. I, I come out of there. I'm like, let's do it again. <laughs> and then,
1: and then, it's, it's like it gets worse. Like. Presently he is hit again this time has a fractured skull. You know what I mean? Like his consequences to his actions get worse and worse and worse And, and You know if you it's all about the experience man like looking back at looking back at my life Everything my my consequences got worse and worse and worse and worse as the time went along like why would you keep doing the things that are causing that are hurting you and everyone around you? I like it. I don't know. I don't know you know what I mean? All I know but today it's like I know why. You know, I have this mental obsession, I have this physical craving. Once I start I can't stop, you know. The whole I'm powerless and I'm unmanageable because of it. Mm-hmm. Step one, bam. Like, I believe if you come into the rooms and you're and you have and you're willing to work the steps, you have got to have working knowledge of the first step. Mm-hmm. Like, there has to be you have to understand what powerlessness looks like in your life and you have to be able to understand what unmanageability is like I'm you know like I would hear guys well I'm in a halfway house I'm a convicted felon and my family won't mess with me my dog ran away you know like that's not unmanageability that's a direct result that's bedevilments if anything the unmanageability is that inside stuff that pitiful incomprehensible demoralization you know what I mean and that was, that's different between the first time in the rooms and this time. Like this time, I understand what step one looks like, what it looks like.
0: You know what I mean? So can you tell me a little bit more about what the, unman- the, uh, the difference between the bedevilments and the unmanageability? Because to me, it's hard to make the distinction. Like, well, I, I, see that all the, I see all the bad stuff, and that seems like unmanageable. Like, I, can't, I don't have any money. Right. I can't keep my relationships. Like, that's all unmanageable to me. Well, so what's the difference?
1: The, the internal unmanageability we talked about a little bit, like I can't sit comfortably in mom's skin, Mm -hmm. you know, that the guy was talking about, he had a nervous disposition or he had a bad case of the jitters or whatever. You know what I mean? A nervous jitters or, um, he liked to argue with people, you know? Okay. So if I'm unmanageable and if I can't sit comfortably on my insides, it's going to come out on my outsides. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's a spiritual malady. Mm -hmm. It's me playing God you know what i mean i have if my if i'm not spiritually fit it's going to come it's going to manifest externally and i'm gonna have i'm gonna have problems with controlling my emotional nature i'm not going to be a real help to no one you know i'm gonna be a i'm gonna be a prey to misery and depression you know what i mean that's just the that's the spiritual the spiritual malady part of it um you hear people talk about Step one's a threefold or a twofold disease. I've heard it called like the two-edged sword. I don't know, but it's a motherfucker. That's what all <laughs> I know. You know what I mean? Because the physical craving, right, and then the underneath that's the mental obsession, and underneath that's that spiritual malady, man. And like you gotta address all three. You gotta be able to understand what all three look like, and how it works at step one, or you get on down the, line, down the line and your ego reestablishes and it gets to the point where you got to go make amends and you don't understand how fucked you are at step one, are you really going to go all the way in on making amends? Hmm. You know, Or are you really going to go all in to carrying the message? Are you really going to sponsor? Are you really going to do 10 and 11? Well, I'm good. I don't need to do 10 and 11. You know, like I, That's my experience. And I've, I've seen a lot of people do that, go through the same experience too. So step one tells me I gotta continue on with the process. I gotta do these steps, you know. It makes everything else necessary. It makes it necessary. It's like <laughs> there's no question about it. Like in, if you look in the rooms, if you look at, if you look in the room at the people that are doing the damn deal, they understand why how fucked they are at step one, because like a lot of times, you know, there's times where I don't want to do the deal. You know, I don't I don't wanna answer this phone call with this sponsor because I don't like him. But I have to because that's what the book tells me I need to do. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if I like him or not. I need to tell, I need to help him. You know? So I'm fucked. I gotta call and then if I miss the phone call, I gotta call him back. You know, like my conscience won't let me. It's like you gotta call that dude back, man. You know? I know. I and that it's like, fuck. All right, God. You know, if I wasn't connected spiritually, I would have been like, fuck that, dude. He'd call six times in a row. I just ain't going to answer the phone. You know?
0: So we just have a few minutes left, probably about ten minutes or so. Mm-hmm. Why don't you, if there's any stuff left in this chapter that you really want to hit, yeah. let's 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 do that and pick right. those paragraphs. Let's see.
1: God, there's, so, there's so much in this chapter, man. It's hard to do it in an hour. I don't know. Uh... The, uh, the, you know, but for the actual potential alcoholic with hardly exception, with the absolutely unable to stop using on the basis of self-knowledge. On 39.
0: Yeah. This is a point we wish to emphasize and reemphasize to smash home upon our addict readers, as it has been revealed to us from our bitter experience. Like you keep talking about, mm-hmm. let us take another illustration. Yeah. Then they talk about Fred. Yeah. Well, not Fred. a
1: cloud on the, was it not a cloud on the horizon?
0: Yeah, Fred uses regardless of the good things going on. Jim uses because there's bad stuff mm-hmm. happening. Fred uses because everything's going good, right?
1: Yeah, and you know, on 41, in the if if this if it says anything in italics, it's important. Like yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. I cr- as I cross the threshold of the dining room, as soon as he crossed the threshold, that allergy kicks in. You know the mental obsession kicks in. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Doc came today. It would be nice to have a few cocktails with dinner. That was and nothing more. Why can't I just think differently? I mean you know, you see that that sign in the in the meetings of like, think think think. Yeah. yeah, turn that motherfucker upside down, turn it backwards. Like my thinking got me in this position. Like I don't need you know, the book talks about the proper use of my wheels when I align it with God's will. Okay, so that's all I need to know. You know what I mean? Like it's i keep saying it over and over but it's experience is the truth you know what i mean your experience tells you the truth whether you can do this or not so if your experience tells you you keep crashing and burning and maybe you need to take a look at the truth you know it says uh I, on page 42 it says i saw that willpower and self-knowledge were not helping those strange mental blank spots and the strange mental blank spots are areas in my life where I try to impose my will. I play God in. You know what I mean? Um, and it's it, and it's not the addiction these days. It's like my relationships, my finance, my job, my health. You know, these are areas where I still will play God like a motherfucker because I think I know some shit. And as a result of it, I hurt myself and other people around me. You know, you know there's times when, I mean, you know, me and Sloan bump heads because I try to impose my will. I'm a God-playing motherfucker sober. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, we are not saints, you know? So the strange the strange mental blank
0: spots. But do you not see it at the time when you're doing no,
1: it? No, I'm insane. I'm insane. I'm completely fucking insane in the moment. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, step two. So. Mm. And then I see it right after it, it's like damn you gotta go make amends you were a fucking asshole you know what i mean <laughs> go handle that and sometimes i want to sit in it because i'm really pissed off and i'm waiting on her to come making amends she's gonna kill me for this <laughs> <laughs> uh, talking about Fred's story it says fred story speaks it's on page 43 Fred's story speaks for itself we hope it strikes home the th- 2000s like him he had felt only the first nip of the ringer most addicts have been pretty bad badly mangled before they really commenced to solve their problems that's me i had to be mangled before i was able to take a look at it
0: before you really wanted to yeah. actually solve the problem yeah
1: i mean like i, w- I wanted to i wanted to, to stop but i couldn't i just i couldn't do it man that was that was why I had to have a, I had to have divine intervention. Like the only times I was able to stop was like, unless I just hadn't have no money, I was out of options. You know, there was no way for me to do it, or I had divine intervention, and that looks like getting handcuffed, mm-hmm. or going to suicide watch, mm-hmm. or going to jail, or going to the halfway house. That's the only way I could ever stop, unless it was divine, you know, divinely inspired, and. You know, like that one day, homeless on the streets. God, fucking removed whatever that shit was for me to to implanted that thought for me to get help, because that's not me. That was not me th- in that moment. You know what I mean? It was the it was divine intervention. You know. So, uh,
0: I, I like Fred's story because he gets better. Yeah, I, I don't. I, Jim didn't. I mean, well, it doesn't say. I mean, it doesn't outline it in the book. I don't think. Uh, but Fred, they follow up Fred's story with how the members of Alcoholics Anonymous, in our case, Drug Addicts Anonymous, came to him, right. and they it says it's they the, then outline the spiritual answer and program of action.
1: That's how, it's the perfect. It uh, sh- shows you a twelve step call. Mm-hmm. I like it where it talks about they they grinned. You know what I mean? Like you like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I told you. <laughs> You know, and I've done that, and I've had it done to me, too. Like, my last sponsor did the same shit to me. Like, that, 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 if you want to know what a 12-step call looks like, there it is. It says they outlined a the spiritual answer and a program of
0: action which a hundred of them had followed successfully. Mm-hmm. And he calls it, he says that it's entirely sensible but pretty drastic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sensible but drastic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're telling me that i got to go make amends to people that I've harmed? Mm, Yeah. Or people that I'm mad at? Yeah. You're telling me that I have to get God in my life? I was okay with all of it except the God idea. Really?
1: Yeah. I was raised Southern Baptist, Hellfire Brimstone. You know, but we... Southern Baptist, Methodist, non-denominational, tent revivals, Benny Hinn, all that. Bible studies at 5 a.m. in the morning. Non-secular home you know shit I you know it, it's insane what I you know my dad was an alcoholic though they told him to go find God and that's what he had to do you know mm-hmm. plus he was nuts and he was in the military so he's really fucked up right <laughs> yeah so I had a problem with God And and you know what's crazy is over my life I can look back and show where God had blessed me had been involved in my life and I would burn it to the ground I would rebuild my life, burn it to the ground, and I repeated that over and over and over. And still I walked around feeling I was snake bitten. Like that that uh black cloud, Charlie Brown cloud, was following me around like God didn't love me. And he never left. I'm the one that separated myself. You know what I mean? And it's crazy. It said, uh the only thing else is uh Says what you say about the general hopelessness of the average alcohol or addict's plight, in my opinion, correct. As to as to two of you men, whose stories I have heard, there is no doubt in my mind that you were 100% hopeless apart from divine help, and that was not my experience. Have you offered themselves as patients at this hospital? I would not have taken you in. It had been, if I had been able to avoid it. People like you are too heartbreaking. Though not a religious person, I have. a profound respect for the spiritual approach in such cases as yours for most cases there is virtually no other solution you know like i take when i read this book like i take it as the gospel truth you know what i mean like this is it because every page it's me it's me it's me it's me and it's my experience and it, and the, but the experiences may vary but the it's the same I felt the same, I thought the same, I, I, I used the same, I drank the same, and this is the results of it. Same results, different different scenario. Or or the same or doing the work and the promises coming true. Like it's me, all of it. You know what I mean? And it says he's one hundred percent hopeless apart from divine help. And I believe that's that's my experience. I don't know about I'm I don't know about yours. And it says people like you are too heartbreaking. I was hard, I, and that was me. You know what I mean? Like, um, virtually no other solution. Virtually no other solution. If you're like me, if you're a real addict, there's no other solution. But to get divine help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The bitter
0: end. Mm-hmm. or seek spiritual help. And That's where the, the very last paragraph comes in.
1: Mm-hmm. The addict at certain times has no effective mental defense against the first drug. Except in a few rare cases, neither he nor any other human being can provide such a defense. His defense must come from a higher power.
0: No other human being? But I have a sponsor and I go to meetings, right? That's supposed to help me not use,
1: right? Uh, The book says I'm beyond human aid. That means no human can help me. If I look and and and, you know you talk to people that you know put their sponsors up on the on the pedestal, you put the fellowship up on the pedestal, you put this part you know whatever, like if I can't keep me sober, if I can't keep the needle out of my neck, then is anybody else going to be able to keep me sober? You know, there's no there's no way if I can't do it myself, the power must come from something bigger than me. There has to be a power. That can solve this for me. You know, I can. How do I recover, man? That's what I wanna know. Show me, show me. Because I can listen to the ideas and the opinions of other people, and it's not gonna keep me sober. I have to do the work that's outlined in this book, you know,
0: and get the experience. And have the experience. I guess we'll just keep going then. Yeah. And <laughs> keep on with the work. Uh,
1: There's freedom in the work, man. You know what I mean? And I remember thinking that the promises were just so far-fetched. And then, then, like, I I can go, and you know, I love the nine-step promises, man, but them temp step promises, that's where it's at, man. And now I can go through the promises in the book, all of them, but, like, check them off as I read them. hmm. And then sometimes I'll lose that promise. Like, I'll revert back, like, financial insecurity. Sometimes... I'm good with it, and then sometimes I'm not. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I'll tell you what, at the end of the day, being placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected, there ain't nothing like it, dude. Like, I can go, I can walk a free man today. I don't need to worry about where I go. I don't have to worry about people, places, and things, and situations. You know, if I'm spiritually fit, I can walk a free man. And that's pretty powerful promise. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, so... Do the fucking work, have a spiritual experience, go help some damn body. You know what I mean? Like, it's that simple. Do the work, have your experience, and go out and help somebody. Repeat. You know what I mean? Go in, get two more, go in, and then come back in, do the work with them. They'll have the same experience, and then go back out and get two more. Come back in, repeat. You know, that's how, I mean, you got to do the work, man. Do the work. Yeah. That's it. That's my my motto. I'll do the work.
0: (laughs) I like it. Uh, Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today, listening up. If you like this podcast, please like, subscribe, follow, whatever your platform allows you to do. Uh, Look for more Big Book episodes that are labeled Big Book. If you like this episode, give us a shout at commonsolution, daa at gmail.com for suggestions. comments criticisms whatever you got let's hear it thank you ryan for being on the show today thanks for having me i appreciate you appreciate your insight it's good stuff all right signing off i don't know what to say at the end see you later see ya bye (laughs)